Well, this morning we're in Matthew 6, so open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We've been walking through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and this morning we are in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick up down in verse number 25 and talking about uh, no worries, no worries. And uh, when you talk about the subject of worry, uh, it it hits home with all of us at some point along the way. God help us to be people uh, that live life worry-free. So so, uh, before we get into the text today, I want to ask a question. And uh, and it's my prayer that you would just take the question and uh, really chew on it as we look at these verses of Scripture today. And so the question is this morning is this, are you living for the Lord? Is he... Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? That means that everything about me, uh, I want to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. I'm living for the Lord. Or am I living to sustain a lifestyle? Am I living for the Lord? Or am I living to... Uh, sustain a lifestyle. And really, uh, this morning, why, why do we ask that question? Because your answer to that question determines whether or not you have cause to worry. Because oftentimes what happens to people, especially religious people, religious people a lot of times will come to church and, uh, and, and, and want to live for themselves and be assured of their salvation uh, and want to claim the biblical truths that we have in Scripture and the promises that God makes in Scripture, uh, but live like hell the rest of the week or live for myself the rest of the week. I want to just do what I want to do, know that I'm secure in my salvation, uh, but yet at the same time, I want to be blessed. I, I want to be blessed. I want to have the peace of God. I want to have the joy of God. I want to have all the, the blessings that come from knowing the Lord God Almighty, but I don't want Him to be Lord of my life. And it just doesn't work that way. It really is very frustrating for people that are religious people that aren't surrendered totally to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, really, and ask you the question is, is He Lord of your life? That God Almighty loves each one of us. He loves you dearly and has a wonderful plan for you. This week, we had an amazing week. We had 170 kids over here at Vacation Bible School, and their theme verse for the week, their theme verse for the week, it's interesting, uh, because their verse for the week was Ephesians chapter 2, and verse number 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Workmanship is also, for we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the works that he has prepared for us to do in advance. That God Almighty knows me, that God Almighty loves me even though I have failed him, even though I have weaknesses and even though I have struggles, God knows everything about me and he loves me and desires an intimate walk with me. And he came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So God God's not a fuddy-duddy God that just says, hey, I really don't want you to have fun. I've got a plan for you, and it's going to be miserable. That's not our Heavenly Father. That's not how He works. He's got an amazing plan for each one of us. But we have to be surrendered to His Lordship. And oftentimes what happens to us along the way, although we may have faith that saves, but yet we have a faith uh, that, 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 that looks to God's sustaining grace... And it falters oftentimes along the way. In other words, without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. But we know this to be true, that God loves us, desires an intimate relation with us, relationship with us, and he has a plan for us. And he chooses to guide us. And here's how he works with us in our lives. The Bible says it like this. Watch what the psalmist says about how God guides us along the way. Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says it... <clears throat> 
like this. It says, I will instruct you. God, God, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And he says, do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings uh, include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, my eye is upon you. I want to just be able to give you the look. I mean, in other words, when you're talking about gentle leadership, gentle leadership, as a child, we all know we had the looks that came from mom and dad oftentimes. Sometimes the look was, you better stop what you're doing or else. You know, I mean, you have that look along the way. Sometimes you have the look of, man, I'm so proud of you. And sometimes we have that look that, man, it's like, it's like I'm excited about what's in store for you. You have the look that comes and God says, I'm going to be guiding you just with my eyes. I really don't want to treat you like I would treat a horse or like a mule. In other words, a horse is one that's twitchy and always ready to take off and go and do their own thing. He says, I don't want you to be like a horse where I have to put a, a, a bit in your mouth and jerk you back, jerk a knot in you. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes, though, God will do that. But he says, I, I don't want to do that with you. I want, to, I want to guide you gently. Don't be like the horse. And then he says, don't be like the mule. Don't be so stubborn and stuck in your own ways when I'm trying to guide you in an abundant way. Don't be like the mule. Don't be like the horse. Follow me. I want to gently guide you. In fact, the Bible gives the key, really, verse to to this passage of Scripture we're going to be dealing with today. Uh, Down in verse number 33, the Bible says it like this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Why do we do that? Because when we do that, God does, in fact, guide us and provide for us everything that we need. And so if we choose to go at it in our own way, doing our own thing, then we've got to be the one taking care of our own provision. And if that's the case, there is definitely reason for concern because we are limited. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and in verse number 19, And my God and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm grateful that God will provide wherever he chooses to guide. So the question, another question would be this. Am I simply seeking for provision or am I keeping my eyes on my provider? Do I just want to sustain a lifestyle or do I want to be who God wants me to be? And that really is the heart of the matter this morning. No need to worry. Jesus says, don't worry. So he begins this passage of scripture. I'm going to back up to verse number 24 as we're reading. Chapter 6, verse 24. And the reason we're going there is because in verse 25 he says, for this reason. And so you would have to ask yourselves the question, for what reason? Well, he gives the reason before he gives the message today. So here's the reason. The Bible says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For he either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. That they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your Father, your Heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? 
And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus here, he's continuing this message, this Sermon on the Mount, and he uh, has just completed a section where he's been dealing with what we would call the luxuries in life, the riches in life. And he says, hey, don't live life for the luxuries. Don't let that be the focus of your life. And then here he shifts from the luxuries of life to the necessities. He says, hey, don't live your life just going after more, 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 and more. Uh, but, but, but when it comes to your necessities, don't worry about those things because I've got you covered. And so he's shifting right here, and he's talking about these <clears throat> necessities. Three times in these verses of Scripture, he says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Why does he say it three times, and why is he even addressing it? Because all of us have times along the way where we will go through times of worry. And God help us not to be worried about those things which we ought not to worry about. It's amazing what we worry about. We worry about anything and everything. We wake up in the morning, and we worry about... Whether or not I'm going to make it to work today. We worry about whether or not my clothes are matching. Some of you don't, but most of you do. Uh, We worry about uh, what I look like. We worry about what I'm going to eat today. We worry about who I'm going to see along the way. We worry about all kinds of things along the way. And sometimes we don't even have anything to worry about, so we're worried that we don't have anything to worry about. I mean, you just worry. And he's saying, hey, be careful that you don't just lose your life and strangle out worried about things, Because at the end of the day, I've heard it said this way, worrying is like shoveling snow. <clears throat> you know better off when you finish than when you began. And uh, so worry doesn't do us a whole lot of good along the way. Corey Ten Boom said it like this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. So how can we be worry-free? What are, what are some practices that we can put into place helping us with this subject of worry? Well, first of all, have faith in your Father. It's, it's a matter of faith. Have faith in your Father. Again, the problem that's, that, that we have here is in verse number 30. It says, O you of little faith. And so worry and faith, when you're talking about the subjects of worry and faith, worry and faith are what we would call mutually exclusive. In other words, you can't have them both at the same time. Either I've lost, I've got a lack of faith, and so I'm really worried... Or I'm not worried because I have faith. And so, and so that's where really the crux of the matter finds itself. Hebrews, in chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, the Bible says it like this, that without faith it's impossible to please God. And so we're not talking about saving faith necessarily today. We're talking about sustaining faith. Saving faith versus sustaining faith. In other words, I need today 
Throughout the New Testament, in fact, four different times, the disciples were struggling, and he used the same phrase four different occasions in the New Testament where he says, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Every single time had to do with sustaining faith. In other words, I don't know whether or not he is able. In other words, you're calling into question God's ability to take care of you as one of his children. Or whether he's concerned for you. Whether it be his power to take care of you or just his heart to take care of you. Either way is not a good way to be as a follower, as one of his children. Oh, you have little faith. In Luke chapter number 12, it had to do with clothing. He said, consider the lilies of the fields. And it had to do with just taking care of my daily uh, the way I'm going to take care of myself. In Matthew chapter number 8, it had to do with drowning. You remember, you remember the story where the disciples got into the boat and Jesus got into the boat with them and they were going across and Jesus fell asleep. He was sleeping. The winds and the waves began to increase and all the disciples got scared. They were crying out, don't you care, don't you care, wake up, wake up. And he got up and he said, oh, you of little faith. What was wrong? They were concerned about drowning. They were concerned about the length of life. Same subject that we're dealing with today. Peter, when Peter had the opportunity, which a lot of times we give Peter a hard time, but Peter actually had the opportunity to walk on water, which none of us has never done. But uh, Peter walked on the water, and Peter uh, began to sink. And when Peter began to sink, he cried out. And Jesus Christ quickly reached down and lifted him up. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. After feeding the 4,000, which there are two different, oper- two different times recorded in the New Testament where Jesus Christ feeds large masses of people. Once was the 5,000, once was the four. After feeding the 4,000, he told the disciples to go. And when the disciples went, he began to ask them questions and, uh, about, about bringing food, about bringing food. And they said, oh, good night, we forgot the food. What's going to happen? I don't know what we're going to do for the food. And Jesus once again said, oh, you of little faith. What was he talking about? He was talking about their faith in the Father for providing for daily needs, for the sustenance day in and day out. God, help us not to lose our faith. The Bible says, for this reason, in the beginning of this text, for this reason, what reason? Well, no one can serve two masters. And so he says, hey, who or what are you living for, man? Are you living for me or are you living for all these things? Because sometimes you're not going to have these things. And are you going to be okay with that? Remember, Paul was the one who said, Man, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. Whether I'm in poverty or whether I'm living life in prosperity, I have learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So sometimes along the way, we may not have the material things that we think we need to have along the way. But will we be okay with those things? Is Jesus Christ Lord? Am I living for a lifestyle? Am I living for my material possessions? Or am I living my life for the Lord God Almighty? And he says, I am demanding devotion to my Lordship. So the question really is, is, am I living for the temporary or for the eternal? And so Jesus says, hey, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to give you three illustrations that hopefully are going to strengthen your faith along the way. Because that's what, that's what he does. In fact, other places in Scripture, Hebrews 11, the whole chapter is a chapter written 
uh, to encourage us to be faithful, to encourage our faith. Why does he do that? Because sometimes we need encouragement. And the way we get encouragement is when we see faith in action, when we see God's faithfulness along the way. It just kind of strengthens us. It kind of gives us a little bit more confidence along the way. I mean, I mean, we do that sometimes in life. I would say, <clears throat> in fact, this afternoon we're going to be heading to California. Flying's not my favorite thing to do. I like to get there early because I like to see all the planes taking off and landing. Why? Because I'm thinking, man, they do it every day. It's pretty safe. <laughs> it's, it's just increasing my faith. That's what I'm doing. I'm increasing my faith. And, uh, and so he says, look at, look at these different things. He said, look at the birds of the air. Verse number 26. He uses three illustrations. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they are? And when you're talking about Jesus Christ and in his teaching, he's over there in the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has the largest bird uh, uh, migration than any other place on the whole planet. So birds are dime a dozen. They're flying all over the place. And so when he's teaching, no doubt he's teaching in an open air area, and he looks up and it seemingly uh, indispensable, seemingly just millions of birds, that it really doesn't matter, just a dime a dozen. And he says, hey, look up there at those birds that are flying around. Man, they're not consumed with worry about the food they're going to eat. Why do you worry about those things? I mean, they were created by God, but you were created in the image of God. And you are God's masterpiece. You are his workmanship. Don't you think that God who's going to take care of them will take care of you? Learn a lesson from the birds. God is faithful. He's faithful and he is good. He will take care of you. Job chapter 38 and verse number 41, the Bible says it like this. Who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wander about without food? In other words, God was teaching Job, hey, listen, I'm faithful, Job. And the same God that was teaching Job that lesson is teaching us the same. He says, look at the birds of the air. Every time you go out, whenever you go out in the morning, I would encourage you, get up before the birds get up. You know they sleep. <laughs> get up early and walk outside. And you'll start hearing the birds waking up. And let it be a reminder that, hey, look, they're going to get up this morning. Hey, by the way, I've never seen God rain worms from heaven. I've never seen that happen. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says in the book of Thessalonians that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So if you just think that you can just go sit on your hind parts and that I can claim God's promises, then you're flat wrong. I mean, our government might teach that, but our God doesn't. I mean, that's just the way it is. We're co-laborers with Christ. If we're working, he's going to provide for us along the way. And I'm grateful that he will provide for us. He says, don't you know that you are much more significant than any of these birds flying around today? And then he talks about the future in verse number 27. He says, and who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And so he's talking about length of life. And it's amazing when you're talking about how health crazy we have become as a society and how much money we invest. And, and, and so it's not, and we do need to take care of ourselves for 
the quality of life and not necessarily for quantity of life because we're not guaranteed length of days. I mean, we can worry, we can work, we can do everything we can, but at the end of the day, our days are numbered. And so, yeah, take care of ourselves, but understand that I can't just live on and live on uh, no matter what happens. And so what we have to do is we have to just celebrate growing old, man. What a blessing it is to grow old along the way, man. What a blessing that is. Don't hide it, just celebrate it, man. Thank God for every day of life that he has gifted you with learning to celebrate it and don't make decisions don't make decisions based on length of days well what if what if i don't live any longer i heard a story about a a, a lady that was considering a facelift and she said man what if i die within the next two months she was so concerned because i don't want to waste all this money if i die within two months and her husband said don't worry about it honey you'll just be ready for an open casket if that happens (laughs) worry worry Chokes the life out of us. Charles Mayo, Mayo Clinic said this. He said, worry affects the circulation, affects the heart, affects the glands, and the whole nervous system. I've never met a man or a woman, or knew a man or a woman to die of overwork, but I've known a lot who have died of worry. The future. Sometimes we're so concerned about things in the future when it's not even here. I mean, God is a good God, and He, His grace is sufficient for the day. In other words, He's called the great I am, not the great I will be. He's the great I am. He was the great I am yesterday. He's the great I am today. He's the great I am tomorrow. And He will take care of me today. He will take care of my future as well. And then He goes on, verse 28, to talk about <clears throat> our fashion. He says, why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, he says, amen, the king, and all of his royal robes clothe himself like one of these flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. God help us understand. You know, we're living in a day. Now, when, when, when you're talking about <clears throat> where we are today, most of us don't worry about if we're going to have clothes to wear, but if we're going to have the right clothes to wear. I mean, that's where we are. So we really don't have anything to worry about. We, we, we worry more about the name brand than we do whether or not we will even have clothes to wear today where there are people who do have that legitimate struggle and even then he's saying i will take care of you why because he's our father and our father wants to close us he does he wants to clothe us that's what he does for us he takes care of those things they do matter to him as our father who among you as a daddy doesn't care how your child is clothed whether or not they run around naked out there You would care. And for that father that lets his kid go out without any clothes on, we'd say, man, what a stinking deadbeat daddy. Why don't he take care of his family? And and, and we do have deadbeat dads. But can I tell you something? Our God's not a deadbeat dad. He's a good, good father. And he will clothe us because he loves us and he is able 
In fact, the Bible says over in Psalm 23, over in Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the quiet waters, and it goes on from there. But when you're talking about the sheep and the flock, they're unable to take care of themselves. They're totally dependent upon the shepherd. And he says, that's, that's how we are to be with our Heavenly Father, dependent upon him. And a lot of times we don't depend on him. We're dependent upon ourselves. And when we depend upon ourselves, we have cause to worry. But he says, hey, listen, I'm your father. So my question to you before we go further is this. Is he your father? Is God your father? I mean, God, God's not the father of everybody. We don't have, it's not universalism. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches what we would call the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning this, that there's only one way that anybody in this building can even call him our father, and that's by being born again, to be born from above, to be saved. And there's only one way to be saved in right relation with God, and it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. And God loves you. I don't know who you are, where you're coming from, and what your background is, but he knows everything about us, that God demonstrated his great love for me, and he demonstrated his great love for you, and that while we were still sinners... He died for me on the cross. He paid the price for me and he did it for you too. Why? Because he loves us and desires an intimate relationship and he wants to be your father. And when we call on his name, he assumes total responsibility as a father to take care of his children. And that's why he says today, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about the clothes that you're going to wear because I'm going to take care of those things. Don't worry about the food that you're going to eat because I'll take care of those too. In your future, guess what? I've got it planned out for you. Just follow me. Let me guide you and guard you. And I will provide for you every step of the way. Don't worry about these things. That's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. And so have faith in our Father. That's why he uses these illustrations to strengthen our faith along the way. But then our perspective, make sure we stay focused on our Father as well. Keep our eyes fixed on Him because He is my provider. He says, don't, don't the Gentiles in verse number 32 eagerly seek after these things? Talking about those that are outside the family of God. Those that are on the outside. They're completely dependent upon themselves. Now, I'll tell you what, even lost people experience some grace from God. But these people are worried. He says, don't be like those people. Don't be like the rest of the world. I'm your father. And guess what? We have a high priest that can relate to all of our needs. He knows what you need. He does. So that's why he says in verse number 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Over in Colossians chapter 3, verses number 1 and 2, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says this, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, in other words, if you've been saved, if you're a child of God, you've been born again, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above 
not on things that are on the earth. He's saying live life with an eternal perspective. Live life with an eternal perspective. And don't worry. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't be stretched apart. Don't be suffocated by the things of this world. Temporary things that your father knows that you have need of. Peter, in fact, Peter was one that wrote. And it's interesting when you look at the life of Peter because Peter was one that was called out by Jesus Christ along the way. Peter was the one that began sink. Peter was in the boat with the disciples when they thought they was going down and, and they cried out to Jesus Christ and Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith. And then Peter was there whenever he was walking on the water and he began to sink and Jesus once again said, Oh, you of little faith. But Peter had the privilege and opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ for several years in life. And he was able to see how God Almighty is faithful every single time. When I thought I was going down, he lifted me up. I mean, I saw him provide. And I saw him uh, feed 5,000 people. In fact, multiple thousands of people. I have seen his faithfulness. And so when Peter writes later in life, Peter writes over in, in his Epistles in First Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says it like this. Casting all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And Peter was, ex- was speaking and writing uh, from the perspective of a man that had experience. He said, hey, cast all your cares, cast all of your anxieties on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Oh, we worry about a lot of things. And most of the things we worry about are temporary. But I, I, I'm just curious. Just, just want to ask one more question as we close. When we talk about being concerned about things, that's the spiritual way we, we <laughs> spiritualize our worry. We're concerned. We're not worried. We're concerned. But do do, do you ever get concerned about eternal matters? I mean, do you ever get concerned about, man, one of these days I'm going to see Jesus face to face. I mean, a lot of times we worry about what I'm going to wear and what's going to happen today and who am I going to see. But do you ever ever think about, man, what if I see Jesus today? Eternal. Does that matter? Does it matter? God help us. Live life with an eternal perspective. Hey, this morning, just want to encourage you once again, man. We have a Father who is faithful, who loves you, who will provide for every single need that you have. Our job is to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And just know this, all of my needs will be supplied according to His riches. And that's an unending supply. He's got you. He's got you. But if you're not saved, won't you call on his name today? Oh, he wants to have you back. He wants to take care of you. It's the reason he laid down his life for you is because he loves you and desires a relationship with you. And if you've never called on his name today, it's not about religious activity. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you've not called on his name, I want to encourage you, call on his name today. Man, we'll help you, we'll walk with you, we'll help you begin a journey, a walk with Christ, that man will change your world. 
And so if you've never called on his name, I'm inviting you to call on his name. We're going to pray. After we pray, we're going to sing a song. And after that song is over, we'll have people down front. You come down. Hey, I want to talk with somebody. I want to pray with somebody. Uh, I want to come today. You come this morning. You come. Father, thank you for the day. God, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the opportunity that we have today to be able to gather together with brothers and sisters and open your word, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. God, recognizing and helping, helping us to, if need be, change our perspective and just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because, God, I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. Lord, we live life in a world of shifting sand, and there's no guarantees. But, God, we know you are the solid rock upon which we can build our life. And so, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the faithfulness. Lord Jesus, I'm praying today for each one here. God, I'm praying today for those that may be in this building that are perishing God, never been born again, never been saved. And only you can quicken. Only you can awaken, God. So, God, I'm asking if your Holy Spirit would speak today. Father, I don't know all the needs in this place, but you do. God, there may be some who are here today. Father, who are concerned, who are worried about, Father, provision. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would seek you. And God, we're trusting you. We're trusting in your word that you will provide. But God, so often we're just one of your disciples that struggle with sustaining faith. We have little faith. So God, when our faith is weak. Strengthen us. We need you. We need you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for this opportunity even now. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.